Tom, uh, Armand had a question, but he had to leave. So I'm going to read that question for him. The evolution of PMR and the LCS. Earth is estimated to be around 4 to 5 billion years old. The oldest known fossils are approximately 3 to 4 billion years old. When the LCS started MPMR realities, physical matter realities, and let them evolve, did the LCS know what it needed to do back then, or was it more experimenting with different ideas? You stated before that the LCS didn't know that love was the answer. Um, before, recently in uh, PMR's history. How do you think the LCS got that key discovery? And do you think there will be more interesting revolutionizing discoveries that the LCS will do in the future? Or is the LCS more focused on the details now? Well, now there was a whole bunch of questions too, more than four. Uh, there were like five or six there. So let's kind of, maybe I can jumble them all up in one thing too. Um, when the LCS needed a way to provide the individuated units of consciousness with more meaningful choices, more useful choices, so that by those choices they could more effectively grow. So that was its motive for producing the virtual reality, a context in which choices could be defined, that choices that had more substance, more moral value, more weight, more learning potential than the choices that were in the big chat room. So that's why it evolved the virtual reality. So up come the initial conditions in the rule set and a whole lot of trial and error experimentation goes on. Eventually it gets everything stable enough that uh, long-term evolution is a possibility. And then it watches it evolve, hoping that it's going to produce something that the IUOCs will be able to use. Now, it's uh, you know it, it's looking for a, for an end goal, which is a virtual reality that will be usable for for choices. So it has that idea in mind. That's what it's trying to create. So it's not just going to sit by and and see what happens. It's not going to just sit by and say, well. This didn't work out. This didn't produce anything. If it can, it's going to manipulate it a little bit, bump it a little here, modify it a little there, uh, you know, subtract a little something over here to try to get the what it wants. So, yes, I expect it does, like an experimenter trying to produce a particular kind of a product, a particular kind of a tool, it would meddle with it and fiddle with it other than just letting it evolve to get something that it wanted that was more useful to itself. So that would make sense. It wasn't just a, a science project for the science fair because it had to do one. You know, it was a it was trying to produce a particular tool that would be useful to its IUOCs for growing up. So no doubt it experimented to produce the tool that it wanted. All right, so it didn't have to be love to do that because it was pretty much the monolithic thing. It was the it was the it was the big consciousness. It made IUOCs, but the IUOCs just chatted with each other. So there wasn't you know, there wasn't any uh 
particular need for the LCS to be its larger conscious system, for those of you who aren't familiar with acronyms, there wasn't much reason for, for it to have to grow up and become caring. It's just a big chat room, and people chatted, and they pretty much took care of themselves, and I guess it did make some rules here and there, but it uh, was grown up enough to do that. Eventually, when the IUOCs uh, did start to evolve and did have uh, a lots of different kinds of choices that made them grow in different ways, then the system wanted to help fix that too and said, okay, we do better if we learn these kinds of lessons and do things this kind of way. And that's when it found out that it needed to become love, that its interaction with those IUOCs had to be a caring, loving interaction. Otherwise, it always had a bigger downside than it had an upside. It couldn't just order things around, make the process easier. It's like parents trying to teach their children by telling them what to do. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Telling people what to do is not a good teacher. People have to have experience. They have to do for themselves, and they have to learn on their own in their own way. So that's uh, what the system learned. It was, really wasn't trying to to teach them before in the chat room. I don't think there was a lot of teaching going on there. And if they did, then... You know, there weren't a lot of consequences to people not not abiding by their lessons. You know, there wasn't really much could be done. So in any case, so yes, then the LCS grew up because of having to deal with the IUOCs in this new environment where growing up was a was a more dynamic thing, not so slow moving that you couldn't deal with it. But now it was happening quickly enough that uh, you could deal with it. You could interact with it, with the process. So that was just the right time for the system to grow up itself. And here we are, the IUOC, still trying to grow up. Like we said earlier, you know, we've, we've basically been in that warlord mentality for, you know, what, 190,000 years or something still still uh, slugging it out with each other, just like we, some, a lot of us are doing still, trying to do that. But we are growing up, and we are getting better, and we are seeing some light at the end of that tunnel. So what's in its future growth? Well, future growth is going to be like past growth in the sense that it's going to uh, continue to evolve itself. It's not only the IUCs that are evolving. The system is evolving as well. And it will evolve in different levels. We're still on, I don't know, uh, you know, level one of this game. You know, levels ones where the people grow up and be kind to each other. You know, that's that's level one. And if you can get past level one, you know, well then what? You know, well all the people who now care for each other, they can uh, they can wield great power with accumulative intent, accumulative intention of you know, what, 7 billion people or 10 billion people or 20 billion people or however many we might have then. Okay? That much of a focused intent with that many people can be a pretty powerful thing. And then what do we do with that 
that's another whole space. So that would go up probably to level two with another whole set of possibilities of things that humanity could do and become based on their collective consciousness and the power they have with that collective consciousness within this virtual reality. And maybe the system would just plant a couple of other societies just like us in our galaxy that then we'd have to learn to cooperate with. Doesn't mean they're there now. They could just be planted there almost like we are now, just to be there for us to have to deal with. You see? Doesn't mean that all those little green guys with the pointy ears running around in spaceships uh, are going to have to grow up like us. Uh, They may or may not exist. They may just exist when we need them to exist. And then there may be, once all the the galaxy is all together and caring and full of love. Well, what might, what might, what uh, quadrillions of consciousness do if they were working together in a state of caring and cooperation? And then maybe they'd have to cooperate and care with a lot of other galaxies. You see, so where does it end? You know, where does consciousness? continue to go in order to evolve itself. I think we're still playing level one. We've been playing level one since our ancestors crawl out of the trees, and we're still in level one. And we may be in level one for another century, you know, who knows? But there's no doubt going to be a level two and a level three and other levels of caring and cooperation and having to deal with fear. Maybe new fears will arise that we can't even imagine now that will have to be dealt with. Who knows? But we will keep evolving because that's the nature of evolution. Is it just it takes whatever it's got to work with and evolves. It deals with it. You know, stuff happens, we get to deal with it. Well, the LCS is like that too. Stuff happens and it gets to deal with it. And the stuff that happens just keeps getting into a bigger and bigger picture. The picture just keeps getting larger and larger with more and more possibilities. So I don't see any uh, end of that evolution. But I think level one is where we kind of got it figured out what our goal was. And that is that consciousness is a social system, or at least it is now that we've had IUOCs, and that social systems minimize their entropy through love, through caring, through cooperation. So level one was just to figure out what the purpose was, just to kind of get the act together, get the the arrow pointed in the right direction of of positive growth. And that's not a small step. It's it's, It's a big chore to do. So that's level one. Once we get level one to a certain point, then we'll go up and, and do the the same thing on a bigger scale. There'll be plenty of fears, no doubt, for us to conquer, and plenty of nastiness and attitudes that will not be helpful, and we'll just have to deal with those, and the system will have to deal with those too. So I think this, the, the nature of reality has been set. The point has been set. The purpose has been set. Now it's what can we do with it? 
how far can we evolve this thing? And what can we do with it as we evolve it? Maybe there's another virtual way out of there that has its own galaxies and its own, you know, things just like ours. And maybe there's, there'll be hundreds of them and maybe they have to work together. I don't know. But it, I know the purpose. I know the point. I know the direction of evolution. I don't see any end to it. It seems that it'll just keep on keeping on until there's, until there is a, you know, a, a, a process by which people grow up. And as everybody gets more grown up, it'll be easier for new people coming in to grow up more. So the whole thing will develop nicely as it goes. But it's open-ended. So don't know about the future. But it's a long way off. I know that future isn't coming in a couple of millennia. It's way out there. Well, maybe another way to put it, there'll always be a future. No matter where you are, there'll always be a future. Thanks, Tom. Um, Jan, if you, you've got a couple of extra questions that you had, if you'd like to go ahead with that. Yeah, sure. Um, I had once a really weird experience, and it was lending abilities from consciousness to consciousness. I was um, on my way with a friend, and suddenly my state, like I was a little bit unsure, insecure, and he was in a kind of a different mood. And suddenly we changed, um, like the, the mood. Suddenly he was me and I was him for just a few seconds and then it switched back and he said, was das jetzt gerade? Oh, this was German. And suddenly I thought, huh, what was that all about? And so, um, I wanted to know if, if it is possible to lend abilities like cognitive abilities or general qualities of consciousness, uh, to other consciousness beings. Um, yes, it is. But what's more likely you can do that. Um, but what's more likely what happened is that you, your friend, I assume, had the same thing. He felt you just as you were feeling him. It was a mutual thing between the both of you. Yeah. Well, that was something that was just an experience given to you and him just for the two of you, just so it would help you see a bigger picture and open your mind up a little more to the possibilities But yes, that is one of the possibilities. You can experience other person. You can see what life is like in their mind. You can feel their feelings. You can taste the food that they're chewing. You can, you can, you know, get their feelings. So you can experience that. And others can do the same with you. So that's just a, I guess empathy at a very extreme, you know, like an extreme case of empathy where you can, where you can do that. But it's a way of helping you appreciate other people being different than you. And that's what was probably important in that little exercise. You know, we tend to think, here I am, you know, I'm, I'm me, I'm Tom Campbell, here I am. And I just, I'm the only one I know as well as I know me. You know, I know me intimately. 
I know all my feelings and fears and things. I know me very well. And I just assume that everybody else is sort of like me because I don't know anybody else that intimately. Sure, I have friends and we talk and we share things, but still, I don't really know them at that deeper level. So you, you by default, start expecting other people to be like you. And that gets you into trouble because other people are not like you. You know, if you're a really kind person, then you expect everybody to be kind. And when they're not, oh, it's crushing. How could that be? How awful. You're upset. You don't understand. You see, because you expect everybody to be like you. That's just kind of the natural thing. That's this, uh, you know, women are from Venus, men are from Mars, you know. Men generally expect women to approach problems and have the same kind of attitudes and feelings that they do. And, of course, they don't, and vice versa. So there's just lots of confusion and miscommunication between the sexes because each one is projecting themselves onto the other, and it doesn't work out that well. There's lots of problems there. That's why the book was written. So that's just, yes. But when you have that experience... It opens up your mind to, oh, this is very different than me. (laughs) This isn't me at all. And it lets you know that there are people out there that aren't anything at all like you. Or maybe somewhat like you, but not all like you. And that you are a unique individual, and so are they. And that's a, a good thing to learn. That kind of opens your mind now. Everybody isn't just a projection of you. Well, he's just like me. He's just a little taller or a little heavier or a little this or a little that. And he has these other problems. Or he grew up in a dysfunctional family. But otherwise, they're just like me, only different. But no, they're not just like you, only different. They're just really different at the core. And that has to be okay. We have to accept this diversity and embrace it. Diversity is a wonderful thing. And uh, so I think it was just an experience that was given to the two of you just to, you know, a little learning, a little learning experience. The system does that, just passes out little, little learning experiences now and again. So that's probably what happened. But, yes, it is possible. But once you actually experience the possibilities, then it's, it means a lot more than if it's just theory. Okay. Thanks. Carolyn and Eric, go ahead, please. You just explained that uh, low entropy beings generally are in a state of just the being and letting what comes comes and accepting that whatever they need to come to them whenever they need it. Um, like what I don't understand is how does doing fit into that state of being? The way you explain it, the impression that low entropy beings reside in a passive state of non-doing most of the time. But what about things such as stepping forward, stepping forward, taking initiative, and undertaking projects on your own board? Okay, that's a good question. Sometimes people get into traps where they they see themselves as very different, and they kind of remove themselves from interaction with other people, and then pretty soon... That's true. They're they're living kind of in their own space. They're still in a, they're still 
around people and they interact with people, but they're not really connected with people. And they get in a space where they're a bit withdrawn. And here they are, you know, floating through life on this cloud of, uh, what is it, um, the word's not coming to me now, but, you know, where they're not, not connected, not involved. They're observers more than they are actors. And some of that is okay. Because, you know, you can learn an awful lot by being quiet. You don't have to talk all the time. You can be an observer and a listener, and you can learn a lot about not only yourself, but about people. And the more you know about people, the easier it is to be useful to people. If you don't understand people, it's very hard to be very useful to them because you probably just, you know, get in their way or say things that bother them or, or things they can't use, things they can't work with. So being a being an observer is something that people with low entropy do a lot. They've learned not to not to talk. They answer questions, but basically they don't have much to say. They're they're more observers than they are actors. On the other hand, if they see some place where they could step in and intervene, some place where they could add something, some place where they could nudge something that would matter, they should do that. They should be active. They should be proactive in that. It's just that they realize that you can't help people by lecturing them. You can't help people by criticizing them. People have to help themselves. So when they step in to do something, Nobody ever even notices that they stepped in to do anything because what they'll do is they'll step in and maybe ask a question or point out a a fact and then leave it alone. Just the thing that gets somebody thinking, just the thing that gets somebody off the, off the dead spot they were in or helps them get out of the self pity they were stuck in or something just enough to make that happen but not with any flourish, not with a lecture, not with any waving of hands, just saying the right thing at the right moment to the right person. And in that way, they are interjecting themselves into the world. Sometimes they even interject themselves in the world in a big way, you know, but mostly they do it in a subtle way. So to look at them, they maybe don't see like they're interacting, but you'll notice that they do every once in a while call people off to the side and say, you know, let's have a conversation or, well, what do you think about that? Or some other kind of little thing. And then they let it go. They're being helpful. They're trying to say just the thing that helps. So I think that's why, one, they they look more disconnected than they are. Because they know trying to, okay, you know, Caroline, here's the answer. You need to be more like this. You need to be more like that. And your problem is that you've got this, this, and this that's causing you fear. And that's why you're having this problem. But that's really useless to Caroline. (laughs) That's not going to help her a whole lot. Maybe it'd get her thinking. But trying to tell people what's wrong with them and what they need to do about it 
generally just annoys people. I don't like that. And very few people say, oh, gee, you're right. Thank you very much. I'll put that into action. That's not how people work. So typically a person who is really low entropy doesn't try those kinds of things. They're not bold and in your face and bigger than life and taking charge and telling everybody what they need to do and leading the movement. They're more in the background helping as they can, maybe saying things that, that a lot of people will learn from, maybe saying things that, you know, a lot of people will hear. But anyway, so that is a, but it is a, a, a trap. You can get into that, you know, floating above it all. And that's not good. As soon as you start floating it above it all, then the entropy starts to increase because you've taken yourself out of the action. You're taking yourself out of the place where you constantly have to be making choices toward low entropy. You stop making choices at all. You just, your only choice is to float up above it and be an observer. And now your entropy will start going up and you'll start feeling superior because you're floating up above it and you'll start seeing those, those people as, oh, poor people. Oh, I don't mean poor like monetarily, but oh, they have so many problems and you might have empathy for them, but you don't, you know, you're, you're above that and they're not. And that starts to get your ego growing and pretty soon you're not so low entropy anymore. Pretty soon you're kind of high entropy now yourself because you're up on, you know, up on the pedestal. You've put yourself up on a pedestal. So that's not a good place. And that can be a trap that people can get stuck in for a while. But mostly you'll find these low entropy people don't just sit in a cave by themselves. They don't just, you know, sit in their private quarters and not say anything. They do interact with people. They do go out and talk. They give speeches. They uh, interact. They write books. They they do things that interact. And that's necessary. When you stop working toward lowering entropy, your entropy starts to go up automatically. So I think they are active, but you just don't notice it because they're not interactive the way other people are interactive. You know, other people, you know, grab the flag and jump up on the hill and say, hey, everybody, follow me, you know, and that's the way they lead. But the very low entry person probably doesn't do that. That's probably not their forte. It's not what they're good at. It's not really what they have to offer. That's not their gift. Their gift is to help people see bigger pictures, to see, to understand themselves and their reality in a, in a more profitable way. That's their thing. You know, leading, leading the charge up the hill is not their thing. There's somebody else that's going to be better at that. So they do what they're, what they're good at. And you can only get good at what they do if you have a very low entropy. So they do very low entropy stuff, which isn't very showy and isn't very demonstrative and doesn't do tricks and looks kind of quiet and off to the side, but it's helpful. But some get stuck. Some go off to themselves and put themselves on the top of a pedestal and kind of hang out there and let everybody else come up and be amazed at how wonderful they are. But I think they begin to de-evolve when they do that. 
how do those low entropy beings then decide, uh, make choices on like how whether they should learn a new skill or take on a new job? Like, do they all base their decision on how to optimize helping others? They do it all intuitively. It comes to them intuitively that they need to start another business, they need to go here, they need to go there, and just the need to do that becomes apparent to them, and it's all intuitive, and by then they've learned to follow that intuition. So they start down that path, and if they go down that path and it doesn't work out, well, then they may withdraw and they may try something else, or they may go back to where they were, but they get intuition. By then, if you're very low entropy, your life is lived primarily through your intuition, and your intellect is basically a tool you use to make your interaction with the world more rational. Otherwise, if you just work on your intuition, your intuition is not real rational. It just is. It's information, but it, it's, it's, it, uh, it's kind of beyond rationality. Whereas you need that, that intellect to make your connection to the world more rational so that other people can understand you. Otherwise, if you're, if you're great, if you're very great and wise, but all you say sounds like gibberish to everybody else, then you're not being very helpful. You know, you need to be able to take your ideas and put it into terms that are at the level of the people who are ready to learn. You, know, you have to you have to put it at the right you have to say it rationally that connects with people where they are ready to learn. You can't just say whatever you've learned and at your level and expect other people to come up to your level. Well they can't. They don't know how to interpret what you say. Language has to be interpreted. You know, and people can't interpret it unless you can put it at their level. So you have to stay plugged in and intuitively to know what's happening and where you should be next and what you should be doing next. And then you move off toward that, but you don't, you don't rush off. You don't say, ah, oh, I just got my, my orders. You know, I'm supposed to be doing something, something. It's not like that. You'll just get an intuition of a way that you can help better, be more effective. And you go do that. You move in that direction. And if you don't get that, then you just keep doing what you're doing. But yes, I think if you took if you took a, a very wise guy and a, you know who was very low entropy and put put him in a in a cell by himself where he couldn't interact with people, he would probably use that time to develop his own mind, and he'd probably ask for writing materials and things, and he'd probably write you know write a book, write down memoirs, do something because that could be useful. He couldn't interact with people, so he couldn't teach, but he could write. So, and he could think. So he would probably think, you know, what could I write that would make a difference? But he would have, always have that uh, idea that they want to make a difference. You wouldn't just sit in the cell feeling sorry for yourself. You, you know, how can I use this time? How can I make a difference? So, no, you end up with a Nelson Mandela, right? Spent 20 years in jail, but he didn't spend it idly. He, he wrote, he communicated, he thought, he grew. You know, he didn't, uh, he didn't sit there and feel sorry for himself. If he did, he would have come out of it a maniac, you know, wanting to get even. But he didn't. So 
people do what they can do in the context in which they can do it. So basically, is like the, the guidance of the system that knows what's best for the whole. And then like the, the, the avatar is just the best for that. And then you just like yeah. tune into that. Yeah, once you once you're tuned into to life and how you're contributing and what you're doing and kind of the path you're on, then yes, your intuition will keep you focused on that on that path. And in as much as you don't pay any attention to that intuition, you're just comfortable. Okay, it's a nice comfortable path. I've been doing this for fifty years and you know, it's just easy and comfortable now. Well then you're not gonna keep growing so much. You get your growth will start to slow down. It may not go backwards, but it'll just slow down because you're not really growing unless you're learning new things, becoming a better person. So if you're, you shouldn't be too happy just being the same, even if that same is a very low entropy being. I think most low entropy beings would have a, a, a drive to learn, to grow, to contribute, even if all they could do is write a book in a cell. You know, they'd do what they could. Yeah, so mostly you end up going with the flow. But at that point, your flow is a much bigger picture flow. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bigger flow that's integrated with a whole lot of other things. Does that help give you some context? Yeah, it does. Like, I, I keep myself often being, like, trapped by, like, making decisions. And then I, like, go a lot into my thinking and think, okay, what would be the best choice? And, like, a lot in, like in a mode that there's so many things to do, but I have so little time. So right. that's true. So you find out what can you do? What's your optimal path? And the thing that you should not get held up by is whether or not you're making the best decision. If you worry over, is this the right decision? Is this the best decision? You'll never make a decision. You'll always just be worried about, and then you'll always be second-guessing yourself. You make the decision, oh, was that the right one? Should I have done this? Should I have done that? What you should do is take your best choice, your best. You know, you look at all the things. Say, What's the low entropy path here now, today? What should I do? And then once you come to that, and that may take you weeks to figure that out or months to figure that out. But once you figure it out, then just do it. And let the chips fall where they may and learn from it. It's sort of like, you know, being the being the selfish little girl in kindergarten. Just do it and learn from it. Don't worry about, oh, everybody, you know, people will laugh at me and I'll be, you know, I'll be ridiculous and everybody will know I'm ridiculous. Instead of that, just because it's you, do it. So it's the same thing when you have a big choice of what you're going to do in your life. Am I going to do this or am I going to do that? Well, you say, what's my low entropy path? What does it look like now? Here's my best guess. Then start doing that and do it seriously. And then look and see what the results are. What has happened? Has it lowered entropy? Has it increased it? Did it work like you think? Was it a good idea or not? And if you decide it wasn't such a good idea, then change. Do something else. And as long as you keep that methodology going, eventually you'll end up exactly where you should be. Even if it's a little bit of a tortured course to get there, you may have bounced here and bounced there and bounced someplace else, but you will end up at your optimal place of where you need to be. If you just keep doing that, making your best choice 
and watching and see how that plays out and changing it, trying to make a better choice and see how that plays out and change it and keep doing that. And as long as you're focused on what your goal is, which is, you know, growing up, low entropy consciousness, then that's where you'll end up. You'll get there sooner or later. And as it turns out, that torturous path that bounces here and there is actually your fastest path. It's a much slower path to sit down and say, oh, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to figure out what it is I should do with my life, and then I'm just going to go do it, and it'll be right, straight, fast, efficient. I'll just go to the end goal. It doesn't work out that way. You're not able to do that. You don't know enough to do that. You see, you have to grow in stages. You have to grow in steps. And each one of those, well, here's the best thing I see now. Let's go that step. That's a step that takes you in the right direction. Making giant leaps to the end point is not something that works often. Usually that's what takes a lot of time because then you second guess. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. I should have done this other thing. Oh, but maybe I shouldn't do that either because there's this third thing I could have done. And, and pretty soon you're so balled up that you don't do anything. You just let things ride. Things just are the way they are, and they keep on keeping on the way they do, and that's how you live your life, and that's how most people live their life. They just keep on keeping on, and things just happen the way they do with very little direction. That's what being authentic is about. It's creating direction. You, know, you do it and see how it works and change and do it again. Now you're actually in progress going somewhere rather than just hanging out doing what you know doing what you always do so you're probably overthinking the problem you're probably trying to figure out that end goal that 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 ultimate place that you need to go and how you need to go there before you start and you may never get started if you do that just start with something easier you know what where do i want to be next year Five years from now, three years from now, what, 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 what kind of person do I want to be? And what might a person like that do? And just think about those things. And your intuition will start, some things will feel right to you, and other things won't feel right. And eventually it will start to gel. And when it does, go do it. See what happens. Learn from it. And go do something else. That's kind of the way to approach life. If you sit around and say, okay, what's... What's my right, you know, my one, you know, what's that thing that I'm going to go do it? It's going to be right and it'll take me to the end goal. That almost never works because you don't have enough experience. You don't have enough whatever to see that end goal that clearly and how to get there. Life is a process, not a giant leap to the end. It's a, it's a process of learning. And in that process of learning, you have to just, bounce and bump this way and that way until you finally get to where you end up. And that has to be okay. But if you're stuck and not taking any steps at all, then you're guaranteed you're not going to get anywhere at all. Better to take steps and a few of them be missteps than it is not to take any steps at all. You learn from your missteps. Now, your missteps will... You know, learning from your missteps sounds like it could be very painful. Well, as much as you can communicate with the people around you what you're doing and why you're doing it and and have that kind of a support go with you, then that just makes it all the easier. You're not, you're not on your own necessarily doing this in a vacuum. 
you do these steps with people. You're open. You're honest. You're straightforward. You're you uh, you know you are just who you are, and you're open. You don't feel like I'm right and everything has to be the way I I want it. So open to change, positive. That's the way to be, and that's an attitude. If you have that attitude and you're not afraid to make your choices and live them and learn from them, then you will end up the most optimum place possible. That's very encouraging. Thank you very much. (laughs) You're welcome. Sacha has been waiting patiently in the background, and I finally (laughs) saw you. I'm sorry I hadn't called on you. Please go ahead with your question, Sacha. So my question is, um, so of course in times of adversity, we, um, we have, it seems, like the most opportunity to grow. And that's been my experience in my own life. Um, so my question is, there are times when there isn't much adversity, you know, thankfully. Um, so for example, I mean, you know, like, Recently, I happened to be in a position where no one's pushing my buttons. There's no issues. There's no problems. Everything's going smoothly. There's, there's harmony overall. Um, and I don't want to just summon life's lessons during times of adversity. I want to learn good, strong lessons during times of harmony, like now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not you know, but I don't really know what to do other than like, you know, go out there and create a problem so that I can grow from it. Or, you know, short of doing that, yeah. I, I can't. You know, I just don't know what to do. Okay, well, that's a good position to be in, where you find harmony and uh, you're wondering, uh, you know, what's next. The growth will come to you automatically. You don't have to go out seeking it. You don't have to go start a problem so that you have something to deal with. It will come to you. Um, You can take this kind of time to develop your intuition, and you've already done that quite a bit. So you can look at that intuition and say, you know, how can I best spend my time? What can I be doing? Is there anything more than I'm doing now that I could be helpful, something I'd like to do? What is it that uh, could use my effort? Where can I apply myself? And the answer may come back, you're fine, just where you are. Just continue to do what you're doing. You are connected. You're interactive. You're doing fine. Just continue. And that would be the thing to do. Or you may get something back that will say, well, you know, if you have the time, you could volunteer to, you know, you could, and other things would come, and pretty soon you get involved in things. So you may want to start new things. So just think, what would you like to do? What would please me? What would make me feel like I was... Just really happy to get out of bed in the morning. You know, just starting a new day. Wow, today is a new day. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be wonderful. What would you be doing to have that kind of a feeling? And think about what would make, what would feel good? What would you like? You know, there's always tons of things to do. You know, there's lots of things. There's, there's 
if you have free time, there's lots of wonderful places that you could volunteer to help that need people of your quality, you know, with free time. But it would just depend on what made you happy. I would not go out looking for a problem so that you could learn something from it. That sounds like a very bad idea. And you may find out that where you are right now is fine, that you need a little period of introspection, need a little period of looking inward and being and just feeling your connectedness to the bigger picture, just being aware of that connectedness. So you may change nothing but your level of awareness. All right, I live in this day-to-day life, and I've got the people who come and the people who go and the people I connect with. But how does that affect it? What's the bigger picture here? What am I doing in a bigger picture? And get a sense of, of that. And then maybe from that you'd say, well, what else could I do in this bigger picture? Now that my little picture is running smoothly, my little picture is just, is just humming right along. What about my bigger picture? How can I be more useful, be more helpful, or just use the time to become aware of the bigger picture? and how it all pulls together. But I would say things to do, directions to go, and challenges to take will come to you. You don't have to go out and look for them. They will come to you. You're a resource as far as the larger conscious system is concerned. And it will use you and find ways to challenge you. And you won't have to go looking for them. They will come to you. You just have to be open to them and aware, and it'll happen all around you. And a year from now, you'll be you'll be saying, "I'm so busy, so much stuff is going on. I don't have a second to myself." And, da, 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 da. and you'll be struggling, trying to keep your head above water, but it'll still all be beautiful and it'll be fun. You'll be learning. So that would be my advice: is is uh, it'll come. Just be you. Be open. Have a big picture, and it will come all by itself. Yeah, thank you. That that speaks to me. Thank you. That's very helpful. Well, thank you, everyone. The questions were wonderful. This is a wrap on the 76th Fireside Chat. It was a pleasure to be here for all of you, and I hope to see you again. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for coming. Thanks for the great questions. Tom Campbell here. INMBT Events, hope you liked this video. We now have well over a thousand hours of free video on this user-friendly, ad-free YouTube channel. Though these videos are free to our viewers, they represent many thousands of hours in production and editing, and many thousands of dollars invested in video and audio equipment, along with the required computers and software to store and process the raw video into finished products. So far, all of this content has been funded directly out of our own pockets. Be assured, we will always continue to do what we can. It's our life, our purpose, a labor of love that we will continue to pursue as best we can. However, those pockets are not as deep as they used to be. Thus, we are now seeking to augment our resources with support from our viewers. If you find something of significant value in our videos, please consider supporting their production through our Patreon account or through a one-time donation. The links are in the description below. Thank you.